Welcome to the Stefan Levera podcast focused on Bitcoin and Austrian economics. This is episode 75 and my guest is Giacomo Zucco. Uh, just fair warning for my intermediate and advanced listeners. This one is a little bit more of a newbie episode. It's targeted towards those newbies who might be a little bit more unclear on why there is only one Bitcoin. So if you're, if you're already quite clear on that, Maybe just share this episode with a newbie friend, episode 75. Otherwise, if you're a newbie, listen on. Also, one quick note, apologies. I accidentally recorded this. The audio just from my side is coming out of my webcam microphone as opposed to my normal podcast microphone. So apologies about that. I'll make sure I fix that up for next time. It is just a one-off. Um, but it also won't be a big factor as... I don't um, do as much of the speaking in this episode anyway. With that said, uh, let's go on to the interview. Giacomo, it's uh, not been that long since you were on, but I'm very happy to welcome you back again for another episode. I'm very happy to be back again as well. I mean, this show was already great uh, before uh, getting some incredible scoops like uh, uh, Twitter CEO, and now it's, uh, it's like one of the best shows around. Oh, thank you, Giacomo. You're too kind. Thank you. Um, so look, as we were discussing, uh, I think today, I I've just, again, not an attack about the way other people talk about it. I think it's more just a way of trying to help newbies who get confused because genuinely many newbies might come to coinbase.com or whatever, or Conbase as I like to call them. Um, and they would quote unquote, see multiple Bitcoins and the way it's presented in some of the no coiner media they might also present it that way and say, oh, but there's multiple Bitcoins. And I think as more experienced Bitcoiners, we have different ways to answer that. But I think the key one is essentially there is only one Bitcoin. So why, why, do you, why is that at a high level? So uh, first of all, uh, I, have to, uh, I have to say that uh, uh, we are not dismissing, while explaining that there is just one Bitcoin, we're not dismissing the fact that uh, the reason there is this kind of uh, opportunity for uh, misleading uh, new buyers or this kind of confusion is that uh, in Bitcoin uh, terminology is somehow uh, ambiguous still. So th there are some terms that are a little bit uh, ill-defined. For example, if you think about uh, technical terms like uh, fork, they have a very, very uh, con contradictory and inconsistent definitions across different topics. For example, uh, you have a repository fork when you fork a software project and you create another project. And in this sense, Litecoin, for example, is a fork of Bitcoin. Uh, then there is, for example, the UTXO fork where you fork the, 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 um, the, the uh, you still in time the um, distribution of property of a coin to another clone of the same coin. And in this sense, uh, Bitcoin private, Bitcoin gold, uh, or even some other um, airdrop uh, altcoins like, uh, I don't know, Bitcoin or, or a Lumen, they are uh, a Bitcoin fork. Uh, and then there is, uh, I mean, there is uh, the, te the technical terminology about hard forks and soft forks in Bitcoin. And the, the nice thing about, uh, the, the crazy thing and the funny thing about this is that uh, when you have an actual hard fork in Bitcoin and an actual soft fork in Bitcoin, it doesn't produce any other chain or any other coin. So a successful hard fork in Bitcoin has uh, uh, as, as output just one Bitcoin. So there is a lot of confusion. And this confusion also includes uh, words like consensus. There is like uh, this, the social consensus about uh, which uh, software is Bitcoin about. And there is the, the, the uh, chronology consensus about uh, which one between several valid transactions is the first to spend some output. And also this word gets, and then there is a scam conference in New York, the consensus conference. And <laughs> so there are a lot of consensus. And this, this kind of ambiguity also impact the word Bitcoin. So what is Bitcoin? Bitcoin can be uh, one idea. So the idea of having a purely peer-to-peer -peer system in order to transfer value in a censorship-resistant way. So an idea which is closely related with the purpose of Bitcoin. So in order to understand what is Bitcoin in this sense, you have to think about uh, all the cypherpunk history of uh, people searching for a perfect digital equivalent of gold. So you have to think about uh, uh, the history of uh, e-gold, uh, how it was censored, and then uh, hash cash uh, and uh, reusable proof of work. Uh, and so you have to understand history in order to understand what is Bitcoin as uh, 
an idea fulfilling some purpose. And I, I will try to argue that there is a, that the, this kind of idea is pretty specific. is uh, is basically uh, uh, is basically the idea of having a form of, of digital equivalent of gold, some kind of money which is hard money and which is a dark money, meaning that you can use it without uh, without uh, uh, a need for an identity. Uh, and uh, if if Bitcoin is this idea fulfilling some kind of purpose, then there is only one Bitcoin fulfilling this idea, which is basically the, the Bitcoin we are going to talk about. But then again, you can use the you can use the word Bitcoin to indicate an idea as a structure. You know, uh, think about cargo cults. So you have people, you have these primitive people living in a jungle. I know that primitive people in a jungle is probably uh, not very politically correct way to describe them. But let I mean, let's face it, they are primitive <laughs> people living in. A, let's say uh, they are yeah. differently evolved uh, civilization. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they look at a, a plane. This plane is uh, is is flying over the jungle, and they see the shape, uh, and they see that the the thing is powerful and and strange and mighty. So they build uh, they build a, a, a something with the same shape with uh, with wood, and they start to think that in in uh, reproducing the shape and the structure, they are actually reproducing the power of the same idea, which is not the case actually because they are cargo cart. Uh, is just a cult. It's, it's not really a cargo. It cannot fly. It cannot do anything. So you can have uh, uh, the Bitcoin idea as a purpose, which is just fulfilled by a single implementation, or the Bitcoin idea just as a uh, as a structure where you copy the structure, thinking that you're also copying the properties of Bitcoin, like decentralization, um, uh, the immutability, uh, censorship resistance, all this kind of property, you think that if you just copy the, co the code, the software, then you copy the property as well. Then you can also imagine Bitcoin as a protocol, so a set of rules that, uh, uh, that uh, if you follow uh, this set of rules, then you are in, uh, in, in rule consensus with other people and you can basically transfer the same kind of value. And if we, if we think about Bitcoin as a protocol, then there are a lot of... Uh, uh, of uh, software implementation by just one Bitcoin protocol. Then there is Bitcoin as a software. And this is what people uh, misleading talks about when they talk about Bitcoin Core. Bitcoin Core is not a different protocol. Bitcoin, Bitcoin Core is one of several implementations uh, which are all consistent and, consistent and compatible with the only one Bitcoin protocol, which is also the only one instance of the Bitcoin idea as a purpose, as a goal. And then there is, so there is this, uh, this protocol, there is a, a set of different softwares, for example, uh, Core, Knot, Libitcoin, uh, I mean, the, the, Go, the Go language implementation, the JavaScript implementation, they are all trying to, stay, to follow the same rules of the same protocol. And then there is a, a network, this network is the network of all the soft, the running software implementing the protocol, and this is called Bitcoin as well. And then there is the asset, so the arbitrary uh, division of the digital gold, which we which we call one Bitcoin, which is, uh, I mean, uh, it's a little bit confusing because uh, I, I think it was Andreas Antonopoulos pointing out first that uh, the idea of using the same word to describe the idea, the protocol, the software, the network, and the asset is a little bit confusing. For example, in scam coins like uh, Ethereum, uh, they address this problem because there is the Ethereum network and protocol, and there is the Ether uh, asset uh, token. Uh, unity token. Uh, I think this is going to solve a little bit because one very lucky circumstance is that uh, the Bitcoin unit is uh, super large if Bitcoin is going to succeed. So no, nobody, only billionaires will probably uh, own a whole Bitcoin. So normal uh, everyday life uh, uh, no, nominal values will probably be 0 0.0000 Bitcoin. So people are starting to switch, for example, Lightning Network, people are starting to switch to uh, using Satoshis or Sats, which are the actual uh, minimum uh, technical unit inside the Bitcoin protocol. So uh, probably we will not have this kind of uh, ambiguity anymore between the asset and the software. But still, the, uh, as, as, we, as we have seen uh, in this very long, uh, let, let me say, uh, topology of, uh, of, people, uh, of things that can be called Bitcoin, there is room for confusion. 
And, uh, and then there is an ethic question if uh, we want to ride the confusion in order to promote some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of scam or some kind of rip-off, some kind of clone, or if we want to, to try to clarify a little bit and to reduce the confusion and the entropy. Right, yeah. Excellent point, Sir Giacomo. And I think one way that people can think about it rather than thinking, oh, there are many Bitcoins, is to understand how that one Bitcoin could change in slight ways, right? So with certain upgrades to the technology that have occurred over Bitcoin's history. And I think one point that you know someone like Pierre Richard might make, and I think you and I would agree on that, is that when people say there, there are more than one Bitcoin, that in some sense is a misconception of Bitcoin as this peer-to-peer intersubjective consensus. Can you articulate a little bit around that point? Yeah, so uh, in basically, if we think about Bitcoin as the uh, idea of uh, a, a digital equivalent of gold, then there is a, basically a logical argument for which there cannot be more than uh, there cannot be an indefinite number of this kind of uh, of, uh, of a digital uh, digital gold uh, instantiation. Because if there was basically, uh, I mean, gold cannot be. Uh, easily reproduce because there is a, a, a chemical uh, characteristic of reality that that is uh, you cannot take an atom and change it in another atom very easily. So gold is hard to reproduce, is hard to replicate, is hard to clone. Is uh, unless you you believe to alchemist and a philosophical stone, you cannot reproduce gold. While uh, software things can be infinitely reproduced. They can be cloned, they can be forked, they can be changed, especially open source software like Bitcoin, uh, where you can look at the source, change it, and produce a new variant. So if we, if we don't assume that uh, there is some kind of social consensus, of economical consensus around one specific instance of this software or of this protocol better, uh, then there are infinite potential instances and we have infinite supply and we know that uh, value cannot work and money especially cannot work if we have infinite supply because if something is valuable and there is no cost into producing more of it, then everybody will be incentivized to produce more of it and you will have infinite inflation which will destroy the, the value. This is what, for example, in the very good book, uh, Bitcoin Standard, Saifediana Mus called the money trap. So if there is money, but money is not difficult to produce, everybody will try to produce money and money will, be, uh, will become useless as a store of value because everybody will inflate the supply. So if there are many, if any kind of protocol which uh, uh, tries to reproduce uh, the characteristic of the Bitcoin protocol is also called Bitcoin, then we cannot but assume that there is an infinite uh, supply of Bitcoin because everybody can, I mean, uh, literally everybody could create uh, a, a clone of Bitcoin software in their PC. There was uh, a few years ago, there was even a website where you can go, put your name, uh, put your random variables and create instantly uh, a Bitcoin clone. So there, there is, uh, I mean, there is thousands, uh, tens of thousands of them. And there is not a cap of how many uh, Bitcoins can exist in this sense. But there is only one where there is a social consensus there is what is called in, economy, in economics, in game theory, it's called a, a shelling point, so a focal point. Uh, if, we, if we have to go to a city and uh, we agree to go to that city, but we don't agree about a specific place, then there is, uh, for example, the center of the city is usually the focal point, the uh, involuntary coordination point where everybody without communicating can basically agree that everybody else will agree. So Bitcoin, the first implementation and the only true decentralized implementation of Bitcoin, of the Bitcoin network and of the Bitcoin protocol, is actually uh, the only Bitcoin which make any sense. Because uh, uh, any other clone uh, is, uh, first of all, is not decentralized and is not, uh, uh, it cannot reach the same level of censorship resistance because, for example, it's created by very centralized uh, uh, teams and is managed by a very centralized group of people. Uh, also, um, uh, it, it doesn't have the historical salience as the historical shelling point that uh, uh, that can get everybody else agreeing uh, to the original Bitcoin. Uh, the the Bitcoin the Bitcoin software stack can exist in infinite uh, variances. You can create a different Bitcoin node uh, software. You can create uh, different layers, different wallets. 
But Bitcoin as a network, as a protocol, and as an asset uh, must be just uh, one by, by definition, basically. Yeah. Okay. And that's a great articulation. And I think I was going to ask one question, but I think you basically answered that, right? So, so a newbie, an outsider might looking in, they might say, oh, you Bitcoin people, aren't you just trying to shut down every other Bitcoin and there's many other Bitcoins? Why should why why is this one special, right? And I think you were getting to that with this idea of the shelling point, right? That really people are still coalescing to the best one, right? Yeah. Or in their mind, what they believe the best one is. Now, I guess the next question is, a newbie might think, well, how do you measure that? What are the ways in which, and can we measure that? So I'm skeptical about the fact that you measure that as is something that can the, uh, that is defined by variables that they, that can change over time. So there are ways to measure some kind of supremacy. Uh, for example, we can measure uh, we can measure uh, hash rate. Uh, there was a somebody. There was this meme uh, going around uh, if, uh, during the 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 big block uh, wars. This meme uh, was promoted by companies uh, pushing for. Uh, the New York agreement attack, and it was it, it went something like uh, uh, Bitcoin is the one where there is more more hash rate, which is actually uh, not true because uh, uh, the the way the Bitcoin client work, the the way uh, Satoshi's Bitcoin client or your Bitcoin client or my Bitcoin client war works as a protocol is that it will validate transactions. And it, it will only consider valid Bitcoin transactions respecting the, the rules of Bitcoin. And only among valid transactions, it will follow the transaction included in blocks with more uh, cumulative work. So uh, the thing is that uh, the Bitcoin software and the Bitcoin protocol, as is designed today, uh, does not follow the hash rate. If I create a transaction which is, uh, which is, uh, um, which is uh, invalid, for example, I steal Satoshi's money, and then somehow I get to uh, to reach fifty one percent or or sixty percent or seventy percent of hash rate. That's not uh, uh, that's not going to uh, to be accepted by your software uh, the, the way Satoshi designed it and the way we are using it. So first of all, the transaction must be valid following the rules, and only in order to clarify which valid transaction come first. Then we use the hash rate as a purely chronological device. So the, the hash rate is a way to uh, assess the chronological priority among valid transactions. So it's not hash rate defining uh, validity. Uh, it, it is hash rate defining confirmation inside the pool of already valid transactions. And it is basically people running software that defines validity, not hash rate. So the argument about uh, Bitcoin is the one a protocol with more hash rate is completely uh, bogus. Also, there is the, the, the argument about price of market cap. Of course, uh, market cap is a terrible metric uh, because, for example, uh, I mean, um, you were quoting before the, the, the good hearts law. Uh, once a measure becomes a target, it can be gamed. Uh, so if we establish any kind of metrics, people will find ways in order to game the metric. And, uh, and the typical example of that is actually um, market cap. Uh, market cap is the supply multiplied by the price. Uh, but if I create uh, a coin uh, of which I own 99.999% uh, of the supply, I sell one of these uh, very, very tiny fraction of a coin, 0.0001% uh, of the supply, uh, on a market uh, at a very high price, for example, I sell to, uh, I don't know, $1,000 to myself, maybe. Then uh, if an external website is monitoring that price multiplied with the nominal supply that the software is telling people there is, but it, which is actually not a market supply because I'm owning all the supply, then I can easily game uh, market cap. And, it's, and indeed, what uh, ICOs and tokens and uh, scam coins did in the last year were to take the uh, the the market uh, the market cap uh, metric and to game it in order to become more relevant and to uh, to challenge each, each other uh, to, uh, to to who was better at gaming the the market cap metric. So uh, that's not a good metric in general. But even if you find the better metrics, like uh, you multiply um, uh, market cap for um, you multiply for volumes, so you can find some kind of liquidity by support. Even there. 
uh, you don't really define Bitcoin because, uh, uh, I mean, uh, for uh, Bitcoin was created in order to resist censorship of very powerful entities like uh, nation states, uh, the, the, same, uh, the, the same adversaries that uh, shut down the early attempt to create digital gold like uh, e-gold. So these kind of adversaries, not only they can easily, uh, if they want to, uh, at one moment in time, uh, reach uh, a majority of the hash power. They can, but our software will just not accept invalid transactions. So the only thing that they can do if they get a majority of hash in power is only double spending valid transaction or reorging the chain uh, using valid transaction, not invalid ones. So they cannot change the rules with hash rate. But they should not be able as well to change the rule with market cap. I mean, uh, if, uh, if tomorrow the U.S. government or Google or whatever, they put a lot of money into their scam coin. Uh, I mean, uh, if it was market, uh, let's, let's frame it this way. If market cap defines what Bitcoin is, then U.S. dollar is Bitcoin. Because uh, if you compare U.S. dollar with Bitcoin, U.S. dollar has a, a higher market cap. So if Bitcoin is the one coin which more market cap, then Bitcoin is the US dollar, which uh, is clearly paradoxical. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. And uh, even if uh, some kind of big powerful entity push, uh, can put a lot of money into an alternative thing, that alternative thing is still not Bitcoin. Also, you can measure, I mean, Bitcoin has a lot of uh, metrics where uh, he has a clear dominance, like infrastructure, you have software infrastructure, uh, tools, libraries, open source software. You, has, you have hardware infrastructure, so ASICs uh, created only to mine Bitcoin, satellites uh, in space uh, beaming down uh, Bitcoin blocks, uh, mesh networks uh, uh, transmitting Bitcoin transactions. So you have a strong uh, software infrastructure, a, so a very strong hardware infrastructure, and also a very strong uh, financial infrastructure because you have uh, futures, so you will soon have uh, uh, ETF and, and so on. But none of these uh, is a, a specific metric which defines what Bitcoin is. I mean, once we know what Bitcoin is, we can actually, uh, we can actually uh, observe that Bitcoin has and is probably going to maintain uh, the, the strongest network effect of all these kind of metrics because of the way uh, dominance works in, uh, in protocols and especially in money. But it's not these kind of metrics defining uh, what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is what fulfills the idea of Bitcoin, which is basically right now, by definition, only the specific Bitcoin implementation and, and network. Mm, right, yeah. And I think the other thing that can confuse newbies um, on this is some of the lies that they get told, right? So there are different uh, misconceptions that get sold. So... For example, they'll say things like, oh, Bitcoin was the one that forked away from the real true vision. Or they'll play semantic games with language and framing. They might call it Segwit coin or core coin. What do you, what do you say um, about those kinds of things? Yeah, so uh, uh, first of all, uh, as we said before, the, there is a, this whole discussion is about words, basically. So words are just uh, placeholders. You can use words in very different ways. Uh, there is no reason to get mad at people using some words in a different, uh, in a different definition. Uh, but in some cases, there is people which is, uh, um, which is basically uh, uh, using some kind of strategy in order to, uh, to uh, spread some lies or to take advantage of people, uh, misusing definitions and, and words in a way which is, can be easily detected. For example, uh, they can try to redefine some words arbitrarily in a way that uh, uh, also carry along some kind of uh, unconscious or, or imp um, implicit meaning, or they, the, or they can use some uh, choice of words which are obje objectively inconsistent, logically inconsistent. Uh, for example, um, uh, if somebody says that uh, Bitcoin Cash is uh, one Bitcoin because it's a fork of Bitcoin code, then, uh, I mean, we can accept that kind of eventually. We can accept in, in the in the in the context of the argument. We can accept that definition, but then we have to say the Litecoin is also Bitcoin and that Dogecoin is also Bitcoin. And uh, and again, if you define Bitcoin as uh, anything which has the same UTXO of Bitcoin and at some point in time, then if I created Zucoin 
at, uh, and I uh, and I give away for free the coin to anyone uh, owing Bitcoin, then my coin, which maybe is completely uh, different as purposes and as implementation, is also Bitcoin. So the point is that many of these uh, word choices are logically inconsistent. And also, it's a very big red flag when people use this kind of word choices in a way which is inconsistent uh, inside the debate itself. So they change the meaning of the words during the debate. Notable, uh, notable example of this kind of, uh, of behavior are, for example, when people start to, uh, to call Bitcoin Bitcoin Core. If somebody is calling Bitcoin Bitcoin Core, so if somebody is using the name of one implementation of Bitcoin uh, in order to uh, refer to uh, the general uh, protocol or the general asset, that's a very, very big red flag. Or uh, if uh, there, there are more obvious uh, uh, attempts to manipulate the meaning, for example, uh, calling it uh, SegWit, uh, Bitcoin SegWit or stuff like that. Basically, the, uh, one of the strongest narrative among people lying about Bitcoin is, uh, uh, is about um, uh, Bitcoin changing. Uh, it's, uh, so uh, some people basically uh, developed an idea of Bitcoin very, very early on in which Bitcoin was something super cheap to use, uh, like uh, free, uh, um, you can have your cake and eat it, uh, free lunches for everybody. There are no technical limitations. There are no technical trade-offs. Bitcoin is something miraculous where everything is free for everybody and there is never a choice, a sacrifice to make, to make which is something that is never true for, uh, for reality in general and for software in particular. So these people, uh, they, uh, they built uh, reputations uh, around this idea of Bitcoin, and they also built some businesses uh, around this idea of Bitcoin. For example, assuming that validation costs were not in trade-off with the transaction cost, or assuming that, uh, uh, that uh, block space can be infinite without uh, actually uh, becoming a threat of uh, fee pressure to sustain the security. So they were ignoring some trade-offs, and, um, and uh, they built a reputation and business around this ignorance. When this ignorance actually faced with uh, reality, uh, they, had to ch uh, they had either to, uh, to admit it, uh, giving, giving up uh, their, their broken business model or, uh, or uh, uh, apologizing for their rep reputations built on top of, uh, of uh, mistakes, or they could just try to change the protocol in order to adjust to their broken conception and to subsidize their broken business model. And some people, notably the people participating to the New York agreement attack and other kind of attacks uh, on Bitcoin, they actually choose the second road. Instead of uh, uh, adapting uh, to the reality of Bitcoin, they try to change Bitcoin in order to adapt to their early misconception. But uh, one rhetorical trick that they pulled, at the beginning they were just... Uh, we have to chain Bitcoin, otherwise Bitcoin is doomed. I remember uh, some of these people uh, saying Bitcoin is going to die in two weeks if we don't uh, change the block size. We, Bitcoin is, I mean, Gavin Andreessen was tweeting in 2015, I think. Uh, Bitcoin will basically die if we don't change uh, the, the block size in a few months. Uh, and it was false, of course. So the first rhetoric, the first narrative was uh, Bitcoin has to change in order to adapt to our initial misconception of Bitcoin. But then they, they started to use a very a, a quite smarter narrative. Instead of Bitcoin has to change because otherwise we are doomed, uh, they started to say, uh, no, wait, we don't want to change Bitcoin. Uh, people who was adjusting to the actual realities of Bitcoin trade-offs, uh, they want to change Bitcoin. Uh, and we want to change the code in order to get back to the original vision or to the original uh, economical, uh, economical protocol. So there was this uh, rhetorical trick in which basically uh, 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 accepting Bitcoin trade-off is changing Bitcoin, while changing Bitcoin in order to subsidize broken business model is getting back to the original vision of Bitcoin. This is done uh, also using some kind of, uh, I think, very, very inconsistent, very, very easy to, uh, to debunk uh, misuse of the word cash. If you think about that, a lot of people um, promoting uh, altcoins as the real Bitcoin, they're using the, the word peer-to-peer -peer cash 
uh, as uh, somehow supporting their idea of uh, increasing validation and centralization in order to reduce uh, on-chain transaction costs. This is a very, uh, uh, I mean, I think there is nothing to support uh, this kind of use uh, of the word cash. Because if you think about that, uh, cash in the normal world, in an everyday world, uh, if, we, if we say that some transaction is cash, that means that is a uh, final, that is settled, that is not based on debt, uh, that is uh, basically, may, sometimes we use cash in order to, indica in, to indicate privacy. So, for example, you are a fugitive, you are on the run, so you cannot use credit cards because that will be traceable, so you want to use cash. And this was the, uh, the main meaning uh, in which uh, cypherpunk people were using the word cash. Digital cash means some kind of digital mean of payment, which is not as traceable as credit cards or, or PayPal. Uh, but there is no actual reason to associate the word cash to something which is very cheap or very fast to move at, across uh, uh, long distances over the world. If you think about that, if you're going to send, if you're going to send a PayPal transaction to somebody from Asia to California, then that's very cheap and that's very fast because that's not cash. That's just a debt uh, with a counterparty, which is PayPal. But if you try to send actual cash, physical cash, from, uh, from China to California, that's the opposite of cheap and fast. Cash, since it is uh, I mean, more private, more fungible, uh, more final uh, as a settlement, Cash is, uh, has, has some advantages over scriptural money, for example, a, a bank transfer, but it also has some disadvantages. And these disadvantages are usually that cash is uh, uh, more expensive and more slow to move across uh, uh, big distances. So it's crazy that people started to use the, uh, the, um, the word cash uh, used by Satoshi Nakamoto and other cypherpunk pioneers in order to, uh, to make people believe that the original conception of these guys were that uh, there are no trade-offs, no technical trade-offs, and we can have a system which is both uh, censorship resistant and able to resist to state censorship, but also super cheap and super fast to move across distances. Ironically, uh, the, the real Bitcoin, uh, the, the actual Bitcoin, the only Bitcoin uh, serious people is working on, is also going there, is also going to be very, very cheap and very, very fast to move across distances, for example, with uh, uh, layer two and the Lightning Network and other, and other kind of uh, layerized technologies uh, and stack. So we are getting there. Bitcoin is cash and Bitcoin is kind of uh, easy to and cheap and fast to transfer. But that's not the point about uh, the cash world at all. So this narrative was basically a, 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 a collection of uh, uh, terminology uh, abuses, basically. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think one more point that might be really good to hit as well is that some of the people promoting this whole Bcash idea, they throw confusion, they throw this sort of doubt there and say, oh, well, you don't need to run a node. There will be enough other big nodes and you just run a non-validating wallet. What are your thoughts on that and why is that inadequate? Yeah, this is, again, a consequence of another lack of terminology clarity in Bitcoin. So, for example, the word, we discussed the words Bitcoin, consensus, fork, cash, but also the word node is very, very ambiguous in, inside Bitcoin yet. I mean, I think eventually it will clarify a little bit. It will basically uh, ossify around some kind of definition, but so far it's still very ambiguous. So when Satoshi Nakamoto started with the idea, uh, it, everybody was basically running the same, uh, the same kind of uh, uh, software. There was not any kind of differentiation. There was not any kind of uh, uh, basically, um, uh, you know, division of labor across the network. So everybody was running the Bitcoin software. And the Bitcoin software was doing a lot of things. It was uh, running as a wallet, uh, so allowing you to sign transactions. Uh, it was uh, uh, running and to keep your private keys. It was running as a validating node, so allowing you to validate if transactions uh, in Bitcoin are valid and are, so if they are valid as signature and as rules, and if they are confirmed. So if they are valid as, uh, uh, let's say, uh, inflation control and uh, anti-double spending. Um, and also, 
the, the same software were, were used also to produce new blocks. So to also uh, uh, increase the blockchain and uh, build the blockchain and uh, generate uh, new blocks, including transaction and also distributing the supply of Bitcoin uh, um, via the, the coin base of the blocks. So there were, and, and this last function of a node uh, back then was also itself uh, a collection of two fu very different functions. One function is to uh, set the relative chronology of transactions in order to prevent double spending. And the other function is to uh, generate at, and spread around the new uh, monetary supply. Uh, for example, these are not the same things. They, they, are, they, have, been down, uh, they have been done together. Uh, and it was very smart uh, uh, idea by Satoshi to do uh, to to unify this uh, function in in the mining process. But eventually, for example, when uh, the uh, when the uh, new supply uh, will stop growing, when the Coinbase will go when the, when the block subsidy will go to zero and the Coinbase will only consist of uh, uh, block fees, then the the function of distributing coin will disappear and only the function of uh, building the blockchain, uh, avoiding double spending will remain. So there are very different functions. And the word node at the beginning was indicating a collection of all the functions. Then the system evolved and the first miners stopped using the same Bitcoin software of the others. And, uh, gener and what Satoshi were calling generating nodes, uh, this kind of specialized use started to, uh, to uh, basically um, uh, uh, to be moved to mining farms and mining pools and uh, and ASICs and stuff like that. While everybody continued to run uh, to run a validating node in order to be sure that uh, that uh, that you have been paid. The only way in Bitcoin where you can be sure you have been paid is to run a Bitcoin validating node. And right now, in the technical consensus of uh, basically all the, the the knowledgeable developers, when they say node. They don't mean generating nodes, so somebody running uh, the mining software with the mining ASICs in order to uh, build up the blockchain and, and, and to distribute new coins. But uh, they, they mean people uh, basically validating incoming transactions in order to understand if these, trans these transactions are valid or they are double spend or they are fake or they are maybe uh, producing inflation uh, against the rules of uh, Bitcoin monetary policy. So uh, right now, there is unfortunately no way to validate an incoming transaction unless you run a node which includes downloading all the blockchain, everything, and validating all the blockchain. That's the only way in which you can be sure your payment is valid from a technical point of view. Otherwise, you have to trust somebody. So you can just, uh, I mean, uh, if you use a mobile wallet, except for a very few exceptions like AB Core, which is a Bitcoin Core implementation for Android, but except with very few exceptions, when you run a, a Bitcoin wallet on your cell phone, you are uh, you are using the wallet function. So you are storing the keys and you are uh, signing with your keys, but you are not using the node function. So you are not validating what you receive. Uh, sometimes you are trusting some companies to tell you that you receive some money. For example, if you use a Ledger wallet software, Ledger Live, the Ledger company will tell you that you received money. If you use Mycelium, the Mycelium company will tell you that uh, you will receive money, which means that you are trusting them, which means that if a government wants to subpoena them to tell you a lie, they can. If they get compromised by an internal, uh, uh, I mean, with an employee, go, uh, with a rogue employee, they can lie to you. Uh, or the company can do an exit scam. Of course, this big company I just named will probably not uh, exit scam on you because there, is, there are reputational and legal uh, check and balances. But technically, they can. Uh, or uh, even worse, some wallet, uh, they follow something that uh, um, basically there is yet another terminology uh, misunderstand, misunderstanding, which is uh, about SPV. So uh, in the white paper, Satoshi was uh, uh, designing the Bitcoin structure, uh, very incomplete back then. I mean, the white paper is incomplete. It doesn't talk about supply cap. It doesn't talk about implementing, implementing details. It doesn't talk about a lot of stuff. But uh, it also uh, imagined a new features called simple payment verification or SPV, in which basically 
uh, you, uh, you, uh, you only uh, download and, uh, and check the headers of the block and not the blocks themselves. And then you check if a transaction that you want to validate is inside, uh, is committed to inside the market root inside the header of a block. If that's true, it means the majority of uh, Ashim Power accepted that transaction as valid. And if that's true, it means that uh, uh, probably the transaction was valid. So this is a smart uh, trick in order to use game theory. I mean, you assume that the majority of uh, 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 you you assume that the majority of Ashim Power is uh, uh, honest uh, about a valid transaction. And then you can just ask them, you basically ask miner to validate uh, your transaction. So you trust miners, which is, uh, I mean, Satoshi Nakamoto in the white paper itself, he was recognizing that this is potentially very bad because uh, if you use this kind of, uh, of trust, trust, trust model, then the majority of Ashin power cannot only double spend or reorg. Now they can also... Uh, include uh, invalid, uh, invalid, uh, uh, invalid transaction. For example, inflation. They can steal uh, money from people. They can. Uh, I mean, you can have a, a ashy majority stealing all the money from the wallet of WikiLeaks because the government said so, or uh, or creating 200% inflation because the government says so. Uh, so it's very bad as a model. Instead of having the ashy, the ashy majority only capable of reorgs, which is already, I mean, reorgs are, are, are a threat, but they are not a total threat. They, they cannot do anything. They can only double spend money. Uh, instead, if we, if we switch to this uh, SPV model, uh, they can do basically everything. Uh, Ash power majority becomes all powerful and they can change all the rules of Bitcoin, inflating or stealing. In order to counteract this, Satoshi Nakamoto were uh, imagining uh, this kind of uh, solution in which we use uh, cryptographic fraud proofs in which uh, if, I, if uh, somebody with a full node is detecting a fake transaction, they can uh, spread around uh, some kind of alert which is cryptographically provable by any, anybody uh, and everybody will, uh, uh, will uh, be alerted that the, the miners are trying to scam them and they will uh, exclude and not accept this, uh, this uh, fake uh, invalid transaction. The problem is that uh, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto never implemented this uh, fraud-proof uh, model, and there are strong theoretical arguments that this uh, theoretical fraud-proof model cannot even be implemented because there are a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, false positive, uh, um, uh, um, uh, let's say, civil um, attacks. Uh, you can basically have... Uh, uh, an attack of denial of services in which uh, everybody tries to create fake uh, fraud proof. So this model never worked. And some wallets started to promote a function that they called SPV. I think it was Mike Hearn, the guy that declared Bitcoin debt in 2015 and moved on to work for bank blockchains. Uh, Mike Hearn, he created the, uh, the, the first uh, um, model in which basically you stop validating you just trust random mining, mining majorities, and uh, instead of validating the transaction, you uh, you uh, you trust that the the mining uh, the, the hash rate majority is not honest uh, only about uh, chronology, but is also honest about majority. Which is, I mean, uh, with the, the current centralization of uh, ASIC production under uh, Bitmain, for example, uh, we have seen is completely not uh, something to take for granted. So, uh, yeah, nodes is also a word that we should be very careful about. Excellent stuff. I think one more area that can drive confusion for newbies is just around the way journalists present this, con this question of are there multiple Bitcoins and they might also present it in a different way. So they might sort of present it from like a nuance and balance kind of doctrine or they might try and think of it like, oh, I need to present the other side as though it's equal weight. But in reality, we know that, right, you know, Bitcoin's value and Bcash value, Bcash is like 3% or less of Bitcoin. So they're not even equal. Or another example might be on-chain scaling versus off-chain scaling, right? Presented as though they're equal. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or ways for a newbie to, you know, protect themselves or be wary? 
Yeah, so it's uh, it's very difficult to protect yourself if you are a newbie because uh, eventually uh, you will have, I mean, uh, right now when you enter this kind of uh, debate, uh, you are not just uh, hearing two people disagreeing about one technical thing. They are, they, you are basically have two people uh, or, or two groups disagreeing about the honesty of the other group. So uh, what is usually called uh, the, the Bitcoin core side of the debate, which is a, a misrepresentation, as we said, because Bitcoin core is just one implementation of the Bitcoin protocol. Uh, these people is not just telling the new buy that uh, other people are wrong about, for example, scalability. So uh, let's open a parenthesis here. Scalability, scalability is a term which doesn't mean that uh, we, for example, we double the number of transactions. Scalability is a specific technical term, and there is basically no, technically speaking, if you speak with an engineer which knows what scalability means, there is no way that a global consensus system where every transaction must be recorded by everybody forever. So in Bitcoin, uh, layer one in the Bitcoin blockchain, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain is great to bootstrap Bitcoin. It was a great technical achievement, but it is a global uh, consensus structure. That means that when you buy uh, a coffee with your Bitcoin, your coffee purchase will have to be recorded, downloaded, and validated even in year two, two, uh, 2130 by everybody. So every peer of the network will have to download that state change forever and to validate it in order to be sure and not to trust somebody else, uh, which is very bad for scalability, which basically prevents scalability in a uh, in a um, in a technical term, of course we we have we can reach a better scale of transactions uh, on chain, but scale is not the same of scalability. Uh, scalability means something that can scale in a certain way, and a global consensus system cannot technically scale at a certain way. So when we have this kind of debate, uh, one side of the, the perceived debate is not just telling you that the other side is technically wrong. Is telling you that the other sign is actually um, uh, misrepresenting terminology, is basically lying to you. So they're saying, uh, look, everybody which has any knowledge about this, uh, uh, this technology knows that the global consensus system cannot achieve a scalability without layerization. And everybody who is telling you the otherwise is not just wrong. Uh, if you uh, is basically lying to you about some. Uh, fundamental trade-offs in technology. And, uh, and if you switch to the other perceived side of the debate, they're, they're not just telling you, uh, I don't know, uh, this Bitcoin developer is wrong. I don't know, Adam Beck is wrong, uh, Luke Dashir is wrong, uh, Peter Wheeler is wrong, um, uh, or, uh, or Greg Maxwell is wrong. No, they are telling you that these guys are lying and that there is a conspiracy uh, this is a typical like uh, populist conspiracy theory. So when there is some kind of scarcity in life, some some kind of uh, of uh, uh, trade off, some kind of sacrifice sacrifice to make. For example, you cannot have your cake and and, and eat it too. Then there is this uh, a, this a tendency, this social tendency, this so social dynamics in which uh, uh, people tend to create a conspiracy theory. So it's not that uh, food is scarce or uh, life is scarce or health is scarce because that's how reality works. These things are scarce because somebody, some elite of evil reptilians, is creating a conspiracy in order to artificially uh, take it away from us. So, uh, you know, the typical populist approach is uh, there is money for everybody, free money for everybody, work for everybody, girlfriends and boyfriends for everybody. The only reason you suffer in life is because some conspiracy is uh, artificially taking it away from you. Uh, you can see that in movies as well. For example, if you um, if you look at science fiction movies like uh, In Time or uh, Elysium, you find this uh, typical conspiracy theory. Everything is free for everybody forever. There is no suffering in life. There is no sacrifice. There is no trade-off. But the only reason it appears to be a trade-off is because some some uh, some uh, cabal of uh, of uh, conspiracy reptilians are taking it away from you. So the, the two sides of the, let's uh, quote-unquote, debate here are not just people disagreeing about technical stuff. Once, uh, one side is telling you that the others are actually technically incompetent and liars and basically frauds, 
And the other guys are telling you that the other sides are uh, part of a secret conspiracy in order to, uh, re- to, uh, to create a trade-off, a technical trade-off that doesn't exist for some kind of uh, very obscure uh, reasons and conflicts of interest. So when you, as a new- newbie, uh, which can be like a reader of news or a journalist itself, because many journalists are not able uh, since the beginning to address this very complex topic, so you have just one choice. You have to understand that somebody is lying to you. And when you know, because logically, I mean, uh, I, uh, maybe they're both lying. Maybe one is lying, A, or maybe the other one is lying, B. But it's logically not possible that they are all in good faith. So when you're not just witnessing to a, a technical disagreement, but you're wi- witnessing to actually a mutual accusation or being dishonest, you cannot just pretend that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, you are just uh, exposing two sides of a technical truth. Uh, the same thing is going, for example, think about the flat earth hypothesis. So some people think that uh, the earth is flat. So uh, they're, they're not just disagreeing about uh, a technical detail. Uh, there are the, 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 the experts in geology, they are telling you that there is over, overwhelming evidence that the, the earth is... Uh, uh, round shaped is like a, a kind of a sphere, and and they are telling you that the other guys are not just disagreeing. They are telling you that the other guys are basically uh, fraudsters trying to sell something which is uh, absolutely impossible or discredited, and so that they are either incredibly incompetent or liars. And the flat earthers will not tell you that they just disagree uh, about uh, about the earth being flat. They will tell you that there is a giant conspiracy in order to fake uh, uh, space photographies, uh, to fake uh, uh, flight, uh, flight routes, uh, to fake uh, uh, textbooks uh, of geology. So th- there is a strong, uh, let's say, total um, uh, accusation of mutual dishonesty here. So if you're a newbie, I'm sorry, but you cannot pretend to stay uh, equidistant. You have to, the only way you can settle this stuff is to stop being a new buy, uh, to start to verify the arguments that each side is uh, promoting, and then you have to enter into details and you have to verify yourself uh, who is lying and who is not. And it, it, I'm sorry, there is no other way around. I know that uh, division of labor is the is the pillar of society, so a journalist uh, may think, uh, you know, I'm not technical, so I'm not supposed to understand uh, the trade-off between validation and and uh, and transaction and not supposed to uh, to understand uh, uh, what is uh, propagation delay what is uh, orphan rate uh, i mean i'm not supposed to do uh, to know this stuff but if you want to clarify things i'm sorry but you are supposed to uh, either you choose to just uh, refrain and from any judgment and stop uh, arguing about this stuff and 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 shut up basically so you have two choices either you shut up and then you can not enter into details and you shut up and you let other people to figure out. Or if you want, especially if you want to help people to clarify, to study, to talk about something, then you have to, let's say, become a little bit more technical in order to be uh, able to understand which uh, uh, quote-unquote side is lying. My take, but you don't have to trust me if you are a new buyer, you should verify my take is that uh, um, there is no actual debate here. There is uh, one group of uh, technically and economically um, educated people who understand Bitcoin. And this group of people, they are not agreeing about everything. They are disagreeing strongly about a lot of stuff. For example, they disagree about stuff outside Bitcoin. Right now, everybody in Bitcoin Twitter is insulting each other about uh, uh, about the inclusion and uh, and uh, all this kind of, uh, I mean, so- social justice uh, uh, theories and stuff like that. But so they also disagree about things inside Bitcoin. For example, uh, uh, Luke Dashir and Nicolas Zorier and Peter Todd thinks that neutrino validation, neutrino validationless wallet for lighting are a dangerous thing. While uh, great developers, very competent developers, uh, wor- working on Lightning Network, they think that it's a great thing. It's a, it's, it's a very positive thing that can help the network. So there is a strong disagreement there. There is also disagreement about uh, uh, Rusty Russell is scared 
that the the long term security of Bitcoin is uh, is uh, somehow uh, is somehow not uh, not great because of uh, some kind of of uh, dynamics, and other people completely disagree with him. So uh, the, there is one side which is not about people uh, agreeing about everything. They disagree a lot, but they some some of them will be right at the end, and some of them will be wrong. But they are not actually being dishonest and they are not lying about uh, factual things. While there is another group of people that are not disagreeing about technical things. They are lying. For example, these people, they were uh, telling people that seg segregated witness had some kind of tragic vulnerability. Uh, this was a lie, uh, probably so, because nobody would, was ever able to exploit this, uh, this fake, uh, uh, this fake uh, uh, vulnerability. They were saying people that Segwit, segregated witness, was uh, patented by Blockstream uh, secret, uh, secret, uh, <laughs> secret uh, um, um, society, uh, which was a lie. Uh, they are saying, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, the typical example of, of, uh, of a liar, uh, uh, which is a professional con artist, is Craig Stephen Wright, the, the pumper of the uh, BSV uh, version of Bcash is the archetypal example of a liar. He lies about everything constantly, continuously, because that's his job. I mean, his job is to be a con artist. So that's actually how he makes a living. Uh, but uh, there are other people which are just as, uh, as dishonest as him. Uh, Roger Ver, I mean, uh, um, you don't have to take my word for it. But if you check uh, facts uh, about what Roger Ver is saying, you will say that he is lying. Uh, same goes for uh, Brian Armstrong or other people in the space. Uh, sure, some of these people are famous, powerful, rich, uh, but that doesn't mean that they are honest. Uh, you can actually verify the lies. Yeah, exactly. Uh, great points, Giacomo. Very well articulated. I think um, perhaps we could just leave for the newbie listeners. Just tell them what are some you know, resources or things in your mind that you think they should be wary of that, that might lead them the wrong way? For example, Bitcoin.com. Uh, yeah, Bitcoin.com is a typical example of something which is called cyber squatting. So you have to know that, for example, uh, the, uh, back then there was a, a website called whitehouse.com. Uh, then unlike whitehouse.gov, which was uh, bringing you to the website of the White House, they were bringing you to a, a porn website. But then they understood that it was even funnier to, to bring you uh, to a, a political website that was uh, uh, basically uh, uh, insulting the current uh, president in the White House. So, uh, the, or there is, for example, somebody um, um, uh, basically registered the martinlutherking.com website, uh, sorry, sorry martinlutherking.com, creating a fake website. Now, now it was taken down. But back then, there was the, the content of this website was a, a, a fake official Martin Luther King website, which is some kind of fake quotes and fake sentences attributed, misattributed to Martin Luther King in order to make him look bad. And it was created by anti-Martin Luther King people. So this is not news. Uh, in the internet, you can uh, register a website and uh, you can use that website uh, either to support something or to fight that something spreading misconception and lies about that. There are a lot of other examples, including like Paris.org about Paris Hilton and Jennifer Lopez. You can find a lot of examples of cyber squatting. So um, Bitcoin.com is actually such a thing. It's a website where you go, you think you are, you are learning about Bitcoin, but these guys are actually selling you uh, Bitcoin cash and a lot of lies about how Bitcoin works and, uh, and about what Bitcoin is. And, uh, and you should be very wary of that. Also, the Coinbase uh, uh, exchange uh, has a very long history of uh, being uh, anti-Bitcoin in his uh, ethos and ethics and, uh, and business behavior. And they are also spreading lies. Uh, I mean, uh, you were calling it uh, Coinbase instead of Coinbase, which is, <laughs> I think is a very appropriate, uh, it's a very appropriate uh, uh, joke. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to think that uh, uh, with some exception, uh, every company that uses a technical term inside Bitcoin as the name of the company, uh, and th that's a very that's a that's a typical red flag. You know, Coinbase is a, a technical term created invented by Satoshi Nakamoto to indicate uh, the first transaction of a block, the one creating the new 
block subsidy and uh, collecting the fees. So the Coinbase company uh, is uh, uh, registering and using commercially a technical term. The same goes for Bitcoin.com, a company using the Bitcoin word uh, as the brand of the company. Let's imagine somebody using Internet.com as a name for a company spreading lies about the Internet. That's crazy, right? But also Blockchain.com, uh, it's another example of that. Uh, which is basically invested by the same people. It was a great wallet back then in 2013, and then it degenerated into being one of the worst technical wallets ever. Uh, it's, it's terrible from a technical point of view, and also participating into uh, campaigns to discredit Bitcoin and to promote uh, shitcoins. Uh, and, uh, I mean, this uh, rule of the thumb, like uh, if you use a terminal, uh, a, termi a technical term in order to, uh, indicate your company doesn't always apply. For example, when I when I talk when I told about this rule uh, of the thumb, uh, people from Ledger uh, criticized me like, "Wait, Ledger is also a critical term, but we are not scamming." Uh, okay. Uh, also, there is a uh, there is a BitPay. BitPay is a typical company which was promoting spreading lies. I mean, BitPay people and Coinbase people they sent an email to all the user saying that there was a required upgrade of the Bitcoin protocol in order to push for the BTC1 implementation by Jack Gardzik, which was the same implementation that was completely broken. And if adopted, it would have killed the network overnight. So uh, the, the, an actual broken implementation that could have destroyed Bitcoin if adopted was sold by BitPay and Coinbase as a mandatory upgrade of the network. So these companies, I mean, they never, they, they, the CEOs of these companies, they never apologized, they never rectified, they never did a post-mortem. So this is not just about uh, digging in the past and being resentful for past attacks. Sure, I mean, we don't forget uh, and we may forgive if at least people was apologizing for what they did and explaining their behavior. But since uh, they didn't explain we have to assume that people behind Coinbase and behind, behind BitPay are still uh, highly adversarial people trying to hurt the Bitcoin project. Uh, of course, there are also other kind of, uh, uh, of entities like uh, Coindesk. It was, uh, uh, I mean, uh, Digital Asset Holdings was participating to the New York uh, agreement attack. So Coindesk is right now not really, a, 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 is not at all a trust, uh, trustable uh, trusted source of news about uh, Bitcoin stuff. First of all, they mostly talk about uh, shitcoins and uh, private blockchain, uh, snake oil. But also when they talk about Bitcoin, they have a past of uh, spreading lies about Bitcoin, like the, the lies we were telling before. And uh, also you have a lot of, uh, I mean, I will be very wary and I will be very, very, uh, very, very cautious to listen to people that uh, use uh, ambiguity and misconception in order to get visibility and attention. For example, uh, uh, Andrew DeSantis, Chris DeRose, these are, these are smart people, these are not stupid. They know that, uh, what is going on, but they know that if they play with uh, misconceptions and they play with ambiguities and they try to create confusion, they can profit visibility from this kind of confusion. And I'm sorry to say, I mean, um, I'm not naming names now because uh, I don't want to, uh, to, to, to put more uh, fuel on, on, on the fire, but there are some major podcasts that uh, are kind of uh, scarily going into that direction right now about Bitcoin. Uh, so if you see a, a, some kind of confusion, the ethical thing to do is to try to study and to clarify the confusion, not to uh, boost the confusion, not to spread the confusion in order to profit visibility from that. Fantastic, Giacomo. Excellent explanation. I think that'll really help uh, the newbies to Bitcoin. Uh, look, I think, um, so if you're a newbie listening, make sure you follow Giacomo. He's a really good guy to follow. He's very funny and he also puts out a lot of good info as well. So Giacomo, uh, just give the listeners a quick you know, update on yourself and where they can follow you, what you're doing, that kind of thing. So uh, what I do, what I do is um, right now mostly education. In the in the past years, so uh, in 2013, I got involved in Bitcoin and started to participate to some startups. For example, I work for Lawrence Naum for the Green Wallet and other small startups. Many of them has failed, uh, rightfully so, because they were bad ideas. But some of them were um, made pretty 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 good. And then I started to uh, do two things: consultancy to 
um, institutional uh, uh, and uh, an incumb- financial incumbents and uh, uh, support for open source development. We created the Blockchain Lab in Milan. There was a place for developers, Bitcoin developers, to stay for free and to work together. And we uh, helped. Uh, uh, we helped the uh, the launch of some common standards like uh, Bolt for Lightning, Open Timestamps, uh, RGB for assets, and so and so. So what I mostly did in my life was to support uh, Bitcoin open standards and to. Uh, use the knowledge I was gathering pr- pr- from that activity in order to sell consultancy. Right now, I'm switching from consultancy to education full time because consultancy is getting boring and education is more uh, is, is 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 better for me. It's more satisfying. So uh, I joined a, a company called the Big Academy, uh, and uh, with my network, with my previous network, uh, uh, BHB network, uh, I am basically uh, joining this uh, education effort. Uh, uh, together with other friends in the Bitcoin sector, in order to provide uh, courses and uh, uh, and stuff like that, and um, and I'm trying to unify my uh, my nonprofit uh, uh, open source uh, uh, support effort with other people with something called the B, uh, which is like a foundation in order to reach the, to gather donation and to grant. Uh, um, bounties to Bitcoin developers is is proving. I mean, we started this effort almost one year ago, and it's proving super difficult. So I I'm still don't know what this second kind of effort will, uh, where it will lead me. Uh, but if you want to follow me, yeah, as uh, as Stephen say, we, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, I can be uh, triggering uh, and offensive on Twitter. So uh, I mean, uh, uh, warnings and uh, and parental advisory. I can be triggering, <laughs> but I try to also be uh, honest and informative. Uh, right now, I don't. Um, uh, unfortunately, I don't. I'm not really curating my online presence, so I don't have a, an updated uh, website or stuff like that. Uh, so uh, Twitter is right now mostly my the epicenter of my online presence. But from there, I mean, you can find me on Telegram in different chats. So you can find me, uh, yeah, some uh, GitHub or Slacks and, and stuff. But mostly Twitter is the center of my presence right now. Fantastic. Well, look, I think that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. So uh, once again, thank you for coming on the show, Giacomo. Thank you for having me and uh, congratulations for the, for the show. I hope you guys enjoyed those explanations by Giacomo. I think he's really good at explaining some of these things. He's definitely a must follow on Twitter as well. So make sure you go find him there. And if you're a newbie, make sure you also listen to my earlier episode 71, the intro to Bitcoin Austrian thought. I think that's a really good one for anyone new to Bitcoin or who hasn't necessarily heard it from that perspective. And you can find my podcast on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Breaker, etc. Um, and also you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Stefan Levera. My DMs are open, so you can ask me questions there as well. Happy to help. That's it from me for this one. Thanks, guys. See you next time.